Hi, this is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Another Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text here on the Clashing Sabers Network. I, of course, am your host, Brandon Boylan, and I am not here with my co-pilot, but I am here with someone who is so cool, she probably has three brains of her own. Ladies and gentlemen, the author of the L3 chapter from A Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back, the Millennium Collective, Miss Brittany Williams. Hi, what's going on? I am just really excited to finally be able to talk to you about this. I, uh, so we do, just before we like get into to everything, we do a, mm-hmm. a top three, bottom three format for some of our shows where we talk about our three favorite things and three things that didn't work for us and just have a nice like academic conversation about, uh, mm-hmm. about the stories. And so for books, we normally just talk about the books, but of course, a certain point of view, you've got 40 stories. It's kind of tough right. to get through all of them. So I was writing up my list. We were going to do the top three, bottom three format. And all of a sudden, I'm writing, I you know, go through and I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I like the L3 chapter. That was a fun one. I like how it connected to Solo and everything mm-hmm. else. And I start typing out my notes and I'm like, holy cow, I'm obsessed with this story. Like, it was just <laughs> low key. It oh. took over my brain. So I'm very oh. excited to finally have you on today. Yay. Thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I was so I was so nervous. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> to have written it, because it, it felt like such a big responsibility. But um, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. I loved writing it, and I, I like reading it, so yeah, I'm glad to a, know it's not just me. It's a good time. It may just be you and me, but you know what? That's enough. Right. We got <laughs> That's all that matters. I, I will buy other I. copies so that people think more people <laughs> are... Whatever it takes, man. Whatever right? it takes. Oh, thank you. Um, so you are actually... you. you are more uh, well-known for kind of your, your voiceover for onstage acting and stuff. So can you mm-hmm. just kind of tell us a little bit uh, about your background and, and what you do? Because you, you've got a resume for days. Right. <laughs> I do so many things. Um, yeah, so I am um, primarily an actor, um, although not much is going on right now. Um, thanks, COVID. Uh, but um, yeah, I've been... Um, I. When I was 10 years old, I decided I wanted to become an actor. So I've been kind of working at that since then. Um, both of my degrees are in performance. Uh, and I've, you know, done things all over the place. Uh, I've done shows. Um, I did a national tour here in the States. Um, I performed for a year as a principal vocalist at Hong Kong Disneyland in China uh, I've performed in London, um, and right now I'm just based out of New Orleans. Uh, and yeah, uh, the other skill I have is that I'm also a writer. So uh, I've written quite a bit for the uh, nerd culture site Black Nerd Problems, but that's mostly like reviews, editorials, articles, and things like that. So uh, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back was actually my fiction debut, uh, which was really exciting. Um, and then, yeah, I'm working on a novel. Uh, no news on that yet, but, you know, keep an eye on it. It's a historical fantasy um, young adult novel set during Shakespeare's time um, about a girl who makes weapons for Shakespeare's acting company because she has the magical ability to control metal. And then she gets on the wrong side of the face. So it's a good time. Yo, that sounds <laughs> like... Every time you said another word, I was like, oh, that's even more stuff that I like. Oh, that's even right? more stuff. Oh, it's- <laughs> oh, man. And it's young adult. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely, mm-hmm. I think we. I think I could pull off reading that to my, my kids right? in the classroom. I think we can make that work. <laughs> right. We can, we can figure it out. So, yeah. yeah for so. sure. Well, because when I, when I think of, and when fans think of Star Wars writers, you're usually thinking of your Timothy Zahn's, Jason Fry's, mm-hmm. Delilah Dawson, it's Claudia Gray, like all these people who, who mm-hmm. have, you know, a bigger resume and have names outside right. of Star Wars. But you, like you said, you're, you're in acting, you've got voiceover. So 
Mm-hmm. I'd love to just kind of hear what that call was like when Lucasfilm asked you to write something for them. Like, did right. they say anything about what they wanted oh, you man. to do? Or what was that like? Right. So um, I had been, uh, I know um, the editors over at Delray, Elizabeth and Tom, from like meeting them at conventions and stuff. And uh, what was it? Oh, gosh. Last year, the book came out. Um, uh, the year before, I had just gotten a literary agent um, based on like a manuscript I had written and stuff. So when they were looking for writers to go into this latest backpop, I actually I had an agent to reach out. I had um, or for them to reach out to. I had, you know, I hadn't sold the book, but I had proof that I could actually write and put sentences together so I could send that over. So it was still very surprising. I didn't believe that my story was going to be in the book until I literally had the book in my hands. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, how luck is, um, preparation meets opportunity. It was one of those situations. Like I just happened to like get my agent right in time and have, um, have a writing sample to show them. And right when they were looking for writers to do this. And the good thing about these fact five anthologies is that because it's so many, they need 40 writers. So this is a time when they like may reach out to somebody who is newer or who, you know, hasn't written for Star Wars before. Um, I think in both this one and the first one, they had people who may have been known for like writing uh, creative nonfiction as opposed to, you know, science fiction and fantasy. So it's a it's a time for them to be adventurous with who they reach out to. So they took a risk on me and hopefully that paid off. I definitely think it did. And I think that... um... (laughs) You know, this is kind of a, a story like this, these little short stories and anthologies, like mm-hmm. you have to have the names on there to sell them. You know, you got to mm-hmm. have, you know, Delilah Dawson on the cover or, you know, mm-hmm. all those people. Right. But it is kind of a, a playground, you know, where yeah. you can, you know, give it to somebody who who has earned it, who knows their their stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. Amy Ratcliffe, for example, like she's proven she's a she can write, you know, like you said, she, mm-hmm. can, she can put some sentences together. So let's right. give her one. If it, if it falls flat on its face, we know not it's to give like her it's a book. Okay. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's all right. It's, it's 39 other people in here. So exactly. if one doesn't hit, that's okay. Exactly. Right. But then again, also like Star Wars is this place where everything is going to hit for everybody, you mm-hmm. know, or, or for different people rather. Right. And um, so going backwards in time um Mm -hmm. what was your 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 star what's your star wars fandom like what's your background there did you grow up with it what does that kind of star wars your geekdom how does that kind of uh, come to fruition um so i've been a nerd since gosh since forever ago since since birth probably um and my first exposure to star wars was um well one first off um, i was born in the 80s so the late 80s so i did not i never existed in a world where star wars wasn't a thing and it was like everybody always had their star wars episode of something so i think the first star wars thing i saw was the star wars episode of muppet babies (laughs) way back when yes (laughs) the entry point we don't talk about So, like, that was it for me. Um, And then, uh, God, the first Star Wars film I saw was The Phantom Menace. I saw it in theaters. My dad took, like, me and, like, my then-boyfriend and, like, my cousin and her boyfriend, and we all went to see it. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) What happened? Um, And so I kind of slipped away from Star Wars for a while and, like, never fully, but just, like, okay, cool, that's a good thing. Maybe I'll get back to it someday. And then eventually I came back to it and I was like, okay, no, this is awesome. Um, Let's forget that that first movie or the episode one ever happened and just stick with the rest of these, so. You can't, no, you can't forget that episode one happened. Why? No, I mean, I think it's fine. It's great. Brandon, Brandon. I will. I will let you have that. I, you know what? We can, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. That's we're gonna fair. have to agree. We'll agree That's to disagree. Fair. As long as you I, don't and come I know at me some about Attack of the it. Clones. So then, then we have no. problems. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, um, you know what? I'm no stranger to like controversial Star Wars movie feelings. Like the Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Yes, so okay. I know, so like, you just redeem yourself. Like just like that, you <laughs> redeem yourself. 
I'm back on it. You I'm said back Last in the game, Jedi, coach. and I got like nervous a little bit. I was like, Oh, we gonna, no. we're gonna throw hands here. I love that movie so okay. much. I love it so much. I love it so much. That's, so. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and like definitely like clashing sabers like the whole the whole things about we bring different perspectives together and, and mm-hmm. debate it and stuff and you know we all seven of us now that we have on the team have such varied opinions but it's just so cool right. to see how like different people come to star wars and how like mm-hmm. you know for me first time i saw it like it took over my life and mm-hmm. uh you know even going to to phantom menace like that movie shaped who i am as a movie watcher now mm-hmm. because i got the entire movie fault of my own i got the entire movie <laughs> spoiled for me oh so, no yeah so i was uh, nine uh oh, when no. it came out and and my birthday's in may so the movies were coming out right when my birthday was happening mm-hmm. so we couldn't go on opening weekend my mom was like no i want to take you on your birthday weekend whatever and <laughs> so i had to wait a little bit so I was, we were at this after school program and one of the coaches had had seen the movie and like no. four or five of us boys tell us everything and he sure enough did and no. so, yeah, like as much I'm as I so love that movie, yeah, it's like, but that shaped who I was, mm-hmm. you know, just like there's so many like Muppet babies, you know, kind of right. shaped you because you, <laughs> you were kind of distant from it for a while. Right. And so yeah. That's really what, what kind of themes and stuff are, uh, what grab you and just keep you in and coming back for more? Cause I know it's kind of different for everybody. Yeah. Um, well, what I love about Star Wars is that it's a blend of so many different genres um, it's of course like sci-fi space opera, but then there's the whole like fantasy element to it. Cause there are princesses and space wizards. And, um, I love how they like the commentary on politics. I love the lightsaber fights. I'm a, I'm big on movie fights. I love movie fights, especially sword fights. So like laser sword fights. And it's just, there's so much fun to be had and like flying spaceships i love the millennium falcon like it the moment in um the force awakens when like ray and finn are trying to escape from jakku and they're getting chased by the tie fighter and the the gun is broken so she pulls that maneuver where she like cuts the engines and flips the whole ship upside down so finn can get a good shot like that that right there that was gold to me like so that's the kind of stuff that keeps me coming back yeah that's the like oh man there's just so much about that that uh whole entire scene that's just absolutely fantastic and yes i mean and you're you're stage combat trained so you Mm -hmm. when you're looking at at these fights you know it's like i i grew up doing martial arts i have a a Mm. second degree black belt in taekwondo so i can look at some of the fights and you know see things that maybe other people aren't seeing like that's for show Mm -hmm. that's practical where you know right um and that add to me that adds a, another level to it because yeah. there's you get both the the authentic side of it and the behind the scenes side of it, mm-hmm. which is just awesome. So. Yeah, it is. And you have like you get a whole other layer to the story. Like I love that Ray swings like she's trained with a a staff, and she swings her lightsaber like it's a baseball bat because that's all. Like with a staff, you just hit something really hard. So she's like, "Bet I have a sword, whatever. I'll just hit whatever really hard." And so in The Last Jedi, the throne room fight, you get to see, like, somebody who's trained for a long time with a lightsaber. Like, you get to see Kylo Ren, where, like, fighting with all this finesse and style and moves, and Rey is still just swinging this like it's a, like, it's a, you know, a slugger. Like, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's, like, it's beautiful, subtle storytelling, which I think is, mm-hmm. a, you know, the sequels, they have their, their negative parts. They have, you know, their yeah. detriments. Every every Star Wars does, but yeah, th- they do storytelling very subtly, especially for Ray's character. Like, there's a very mm-hmm. subtle development for her that I mm-hmm. don't think some people get because they don't want to take the time to sit and think about like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not just that she's using a lightsaber. Yes, she's using a lightsaber, but how is she using the lightsaber? Mm-hmm. What's the story that that that's telling? Because at the end of the day, you know fights are cool and stuff and they're fun to watch but if we were going for that we'd just go watch you know mma clips on youtube or whatever you know (laughs) we we wouldn't go watch these stories so yeah Uh, yeah. sorry my dog is dogs are dogs are completely allowed on this show okay all right cool (laughs) okay i was like i'm so sorry 
No, but you mentioned, you know, the the Millennium Falcon and, uh, you know, how much mm-hmm. you love that. So when you're thinking about this, this story that you're coming up with, what was that mm-hmm. development like? Was this idea just your baby? Was it something you and Lucasfilm kind of came up with together? Um, well, so the good thing about this, uh, the, this anthology is you get to pitch them, like you get to request a character. Um, so, uh, when my agent got the ask and they were like, oh yeah, they want you to be in this. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Tell them yes. I like immediately emailed her back and was like, tell them yes. And then 15 minutes after that, I was like, hey, can you ask them if I can do L337 slash the Millennium Falcon? Because it just made so much sense. And I just want, I was like, Lando's going to be getting the shit. Like he's going to be getting on the Falcon for the first time since probably Solo. So like, what is that going to be like? We know L3 is in there. He knows L3 is in there. So it, um, yeah, it kind of came out of my my scrambled brain. Um, but thankfully the, the editor, Elizabeth and Tom are really great editors and they helped me finesse the story. Um, I was super excited about it. And then I sat down to write and I was like, oh, crap. I'm writing a whole story about characters who can take no action whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so that got a little intimidating. Um, and I, I actually hopped on the phone with Elizabeth and bounced some ideas off of her and finessed the story. And yeah, what ended up coming out was really, really great it just kind of yeah it just I don't know it made so much sense to me I felt bad because I felt like I picked like the easy thing I was like everybody's gonna be asking for this but I don't know if anybody else did (laughs) no I honestly like when you look at it now for me Mm -hmm. anyways it looks like the most obvious thing that you would do like yeah you know going in you're gonna get a story from the, the Wampa and the Tauntaun. Right. But mm-hmm. like one story that I really loved in here was the cave because my expectation mm-hmm. from the cave is we're going to get some, a snake or a lizard right. telling the story, you know, and stuff like that didn't work for me as well in the first uh, volume, in the A New Hope mm-hmm. volume. But we got it from the perspective of the cave. And then thinking about that, I'm like, of course, the cave has the force. So why wouldn't right. it tell its own story? Same thing kind of with the Millennium Falcon. But... Mm-hmm. The, you know, you talked about bringing Lando and L3 back and everything about that, you know, uh, which is is something, you know, we obviously couldn't get an Empire Strikes Back because Solo hadn't happened. But Mm -hmm. Solo has become one of those cotton candy movies for people. You know, it's become one of their go to like, I just want to feel good and and have a good time. So Mm -hmm. at the same time, now you're taking that and you're you're creating this reunion that we didn't get in rise of skywalker that a lot of fans felt like we should have so what was your approach to reuniting this duo and kind of your thoughts on their relationship overall yeah so i loved their relationship in the in solo like i loved their rapport um i think that donald glover and um oh gosh why can't i remember her name now um Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridges. Yes, thank you. Phoebe Waller-Bridges. This is the first time I've forgotten her name. I'm so sorry, ma'am. I know who you are. I do. Um, But uh, they they were able to, like, work off of each other so well and create um, such a dynamic pairing in such a short amount of time. And, like, I went to see Solo wearing an L337 droid rights shirt. Um, Oh, so you were a stand before the movie. because I read I read last shot and I was like oh my gosh I love this character and then boom boom like literally boom um so my feelings were really hurt uh and I just wanted to I wanted to for me and for all of us who loved the character L3 and loved like L3 and Lando's friendship and partnership like I wanted to be like it's okay guys it's okay they're okay everything's fine she's she's okay it's cool. I just wanted to, you know, the equivalent of a nice cup of hot cocoa and a warm blanket for all of us. <laughs> I just wanted to do that. For, I wanted us to have that. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. that's, that's it, there are, you know, that's one of the things about that, about Solo that does kind of fall short. And I'm literally, I, I have a Solo phone case on my phone right now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a stan also, but like there right. were, you know, I feel like there, there were things that uh, particularly on the female side of things yes. that was kind of not really great. And to me, mm-hmm. both you and Mer Lafferty, who wrote the solo novelization, mm-hmm. really hit 
L3's character like right on the head. And a major oh, aspect you. of that is to me, the femme gaze, which like I said, was, was lacking on screen, but also mm-hmm. along with that, uh, something that I think is not talked about a lot is how L3 is a minority in a way because she created herself rather than being mm-hmm. created. She's unique in terms of, of what droids are in this galaxy. Yeah. So being that you have L3 um, you know, as this mother caretaker of these other brains, mm-hmm. the Falcon and even Lando, you know, how, does you, how did your experience as a woman, as a person of color, you know, growing up in the time that we're in, you know, how did that influence the story you told? Um, well, one thing I wanted to figure out a way for L3 to retain her um, agency and her selfhood. Um, it was so, it it's clearly so important to the character that to like the, I think what broke all of our hearts was the idea that this, uh, this droid who was so, like a self-made droid who was so intent on like being like, I'm not a tool. I'm not um, a servant. I am, you know, not a person, but I am my own being. And the idea that as soon as she uh, got uploaded into the Falcon, suddenly that wasn't true anymore. I just couldn't let that stand. Um, And I like, I'd like, I wanted to, hmm. How do I put this? Uh, I wanted there to be somewhere on paper or somewhere in hard canon, like evidence that um, beings can self-identify in in the Star Wars universe. Like that's not an unusual thing. Um, it's not anything that like somebody would would raise an eyebrow at. Um, and I just I just hated seeing her the thought of her just losing her her selfhood. It just it just broke my heart. <laughs> so and you know, people people struggle with that all the time. Um especially today, like the more we learn about um the the more we understand that the world doesn't exist on a binary, the more people um try to shove it into that and the more people who know that to be true have to have to struggle um so yeah I just don't like any little thing I can write to make to just kind of make life easier for marginalized people I would like to do that I mean that's that's awesome because like you were talking about earlier about how Star Wars is you know everything it's every genre you know but it's Mm -hmm. also everybody that's one mm-hmm. of the things that, you know, I think it's lost in the shuffle of the, you know, discussion about the hero's journey, the heroine's journey and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is that the point of those stories are that they are universal across, mm-hmm. you know, gender, across race, across sexual orientation and all of that stuff. And so if we're going to do that, then we really have to actually do that. And I think you did it so beautifully, you know, one of the kind of go to if you will against you know uh diversity is like oh you're just shoving it down my throat you're shoving it in my face you know whatever kind of thing which Mm -hmm. is just no it just looks different than what you've seen before because what you've seen before wasn't enough right but Mm -hmm. at the same time you know you did this really great job of integrating these themes to where until i actually sat down and like actually thought about it i didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that it hit me like that you know, um, but I felt like as a, you know, I'm a middle class white male, you know, and I felt mm-hmm. like I walked away with a better understanding of, you know, this person, you know, because essentially, you know, she, technically she's a droid, but essentially she's a person right. in the yeah. story, you know, gets pushed off to the side, gets, you know, wrangled with these almost like kids, if you will, you know, mm. and has to kind of figure out a way to still impact and still, you know, uh, reach out to her friends and still help right. fight for what she believes in, which is not mm-hmm. an easy thing to do. Right. No, it's not. And especially like, you know, the Falcon has seen so much. Um, and I think going from being completely active, like L3 was to suddenly being, having to be passive um, is one well, that is clear. That's going to be a struggle, but I just wanted to, I wanted to show she was happy still. And, um, I like the idea of, um, I know, uh, in the, in the solo novelization, when L3 is being uploaded and is speaking to the Falcon, 
um, it speaks as like one singular entity. Uh, so I was like, well, what if, what if L3 got like figured out how to get the Falcon to be like, oh, okay, yeah, we're cool. We're like one, yes, but also we're three. So let's be three. So she like gets her own little girl group in there, the Millennium Collective. So she's like, you know, you could be your own person, right? You know, you don't have to be like, we don't all have to be one. And they're like, oh, you mean, oh, for real? Oh, okay, then I, I want to be this. And it's like, oh, well, then I want to be this. So, Well, and with those three droid brains, you know, there's also, it's also one. It's also unified. And mm-hmm. so the, the connection I made to that was to, you know, the Christian Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. where... Um, you know, you're thinking of this metaphor where you have these three beings that are mm-hmm. looked at as three beings, but also looked at as something more, something bigger. And I think, you know, yeah. the Falcon kind of in, in both the story, I would argue now that you, you've kind of put this Trinity in there has mm-hmm. kind of, a, and, and also in our fandom has this holy place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is a, uh, an icon of, of the mm-hmm. faith of Star Wars, if you will, you know, and yeah. <laughs> with, with faith and belief being a central theme in Star Wars, was this mm-hmm. something you were considering? Not necessarily that you were like te- trying to put Christian religion into it or right. anything like that, <laughs> but were you going for this idea of something more than oneself, something almost holy, if you will? Um, well, I feel like I don't have to really inject that into Star Wars. Like the force is, is like the, 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 you know, overseeing the force. It is literally called the force. Um, it's like this, this unifying energy or part of all beings and thing that like, it's the thing that makes everyone in that universe one. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I, you know, I'm, you know, Christian, right. Went to Catholic school um, raised Baptist, uh, still Baptist, um, and even with studying other religions, like three is a very common number throughout multiple religions. Um, and it's one of those things where um, even if you don't purposely put your beliefs and your, like you don't intentionally put your beliefs and your faith into things that you create, it comes through because it's a part of you. So I didn't even think of it that way, like, oh, like the Holy Trinity, like three and, you know, three and one, it becomes this. I didn't even think of it that way until you just mentioned it. So that's, I find that really interesting um, it, to look at it like that. Well, and I mean, you it, you made a good point that like it, it happens across religions and that, you know, I think honestly, that's part of, you know, what makes the... Uh, Star Wars trilogies stand out as something mm-hmm. different than like the Rogue Ones and the Solos is, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that's so baked into to our culture. And mm-hmm. with regards to the Falcon, it's one of those symbols, you know, that define Star Wars, whether, mm-hmm. you know, someone knows what it is, they know where it's from. But right. for fans, it's become this, you know, like I said, idol for our faith. So with mm-hmm. regards to the Falcon, were you considering that were you considering when when writing your story you know the uh, idea of almost making this i would argue with your story it makes it shows the falcon is chosen by the force was was this an idea that you were playing around with at all or was it Um, just kind of sticking to well i've got the falcon but here's these three droids right so it wasn't um Bait would <laughs> the Falcon being the Millennium Falcon, like the Millennium Falcon, um, it felt more like a, a huge responsibility because it's like I am writing like I literally was writing from the point of view of this iconic ship. Like you can know nothing about Star Wars and you can still know like, oh, that ship is, you know, it's a Star Wars ship. So I didn't want to mess it up. Um I know another writer was like, oh, yeah, I realized I was writing dialogue for Luke Skywalker. And I was like, I am writing a whole story from the point of view of the Millennium Falcon. Like, this is so, it, it just felt so, I felt like so much responsibility um, on, a, on a meta level. Because, uh, I know, like, it's, it's like you said, it's like the, the image of Star Wars. It's, 
that is the thing, you know? Yeah, like that and lightsabers. Like, you don't even have to see the thing. You can just see the shape (laughs) and figure it out. Yeah, Right. It's like the the silhouette of the Millennium Falcon and the sound of lightsabers are, like, two quintessential, like... If you, nothing else you know, like, that is Star Wars. Like, you hear the, you're like, that's a a lightsaber, that's Star Wars. You see that, like, iconic shape of that round ship, and it's like, okay, that, that, yeah, that's Star Wars. So, I I just was like, I don't want to mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) That is completely fair. (laughs) Completely fair. Um, There are days when I'm teaching where I'm like, I just don't want to mess them up. So, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, So... You, when you first saw like the original trilogy, did you fall mm-hmm. in love with the Falcon right away? Was it something you, are, were you connecting with, you know, the story they were telling with the Falcon almost as a character or, you know, what's kind of your relationship been with the Falcon growing up? Um, yeah, I did. I love like the, it's just such a, an interesting ship. It's the, and the more, it's like the more I learn about it, the more I love it. Like, it's the the fastest ship in the galaxy. It, um, it's like a, what is it? A class 0.5, which the uh, next 1. fastest. class class plus light speed or something like that? It's a, I think it's a 0. 0.5. Cause yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. like the next fastest one is a, a class one. And like, it's just, it's, it's the fastest ship in the galaxy. It's like held together by like tape and sheer stubborn will it's it's just so it's different than any other spaceship we had seen up until then because it's like dusty and old and then like sanded and solo where it's like fresh and brand new um it's one of those things where every time i see it i just fall in love with it a little bit more um before everything shut down i got to go to galaxy's edge at disneyland oh so jealous right Oh god, I was so man. And then we, I did, I got to get on the uh, Millennium Falcon <laughs> Smuggler's Run ride twice. And I, the first time, I got to be the one to send us into hyperspace. <sighs> I think I would need to go to the <laughs> store and buy a Jedi pair of pants because I would need a new pair. It was so amazing. Oh my god! I was like, what is this life? What is this world? Like, what? Oh my gosh! So it's like I don't. I don't know. There's some things that you just like gravitate towards. Like I, and I, I'm a person who likes fast cars. So the fastest ship in the galaxy that already caught my attention. And I don't know it, there's something about, um, you know, a ship with a really iconic silhouette, like the bebop from cowboy bebop has an iconic silhouette. Um, the enterprise has an iconic silhouette, but you know, the enterprise is nice and shiny and pretty and, um, I don't know. The Falcon is just like, it's, I don't know. It seems like some, like it, it feels like your first car where it's, it, you like, it's not the best, but it get it, it's the outside may be dusty. The inside may be cluttered, but like it gets you where you need to go and it gets you and your friends where you need to go. So like, there's always nice memories attached to it. Like that's what the Falcon feels like to me, you know? And I, I did, I went to, uh, um, uh, this exhibition they had at the Intrepid Museum in New York where you could go through the whole, like, um, you could sit on the bridge of the Enterprise. And, like, that was great and all, but it wasn't me sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and sending us into hyperspace. So, it's like that, that yeah, right there. Yeah, that's, whew, I got goosebumps just thinking right? about it. <laughs> Like there's some things that you just you never think's gonna actually happen, and right. then it happens, and you're like, <sighs> you know, there's no going back. There's no returning right. to the life where you didn't know what that was like, and it, no. it's it's crazy. Um, so you know, you talked a lot about how you know it's beat up, it's it's garbage, basically. You know, it's a mm-hmm. hunk of junk. But in Solo, it's not. You know, right. in Solo, it's it's pristine it's clean mm-hmm. and that, that that ruffled some feathers when we got those images the first time so yeah. what's your uh what's your thoughts on the lando falcon the nice clean I pretty one i loved it i loved it I but it's, it. yeah me too it's it's you know um <laughs> I, um it's just the it shows the difference between the two owners lando is the kind of person who would keep an immaculate and clean ship no matter what he does like that's the kind of person he is um and it was just it 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 was so interesting seeing there was still the escape pod. Um, I looked at a lot of schematics of the interior of the Millennium Falcon as I was writing the story, 
it probably doesn't even show in the um, in what I wrote, but I just I wanted to make sure like, all right, if they come up this way, it's going to take them this long to get here. And so like, what's over here? What's over here? Like where everything was placed. Um, and there's a, a drinks bar on the Falcon. Like that. I don't think what I think Lando was the only one to use it. So yeah. <laughs> like, it's just I don't know. It's so it shows the, the passage of time really well. It shows it says a lot about Lando's character and Han's character. It gives extra emphasis to like. When Lando's like, what did you do to my ship? When they finally meet in Empire, like it just, it just add. that's one of the, the choices I think that added more, um, it enhanced the story really well. Like seeing a pristine and clean Millennium Falcon, like that really um, enhanced what we knew of Star Wars in the universe. It made it feel bigger and wider. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. You know, there, and that's the thing about Star Wars—you can take these little seeds and you can plant them. You know, thirty years later, and make a mm-hmm. whole movie out of how that happens. And um, I mean, heck, your story kind of comes from the C three PO line about uh, yeah. you know how rude the the Falcon is. So right. you know, what were your thoughts about connecting back to that idea? Because you do have um, the one droid who is a, a V five T who mm-hmm. you know is is loud and he's learning new language and things and so yeah. they can be a little off-putting what was that like right so the whole thing was born out of that line like if not for that line there would have been no <laughs> there would have been no story um and uh it's just you know you have i think more more than trying to make them um be like overtly mean to c3po i just wanted them to be I wanted it to be like a little chaotic in there like you it's it's like walking into a mechanic shop and being like hey what's wrong with my car and suddenly three people are talking to you at the exact same time and they have three very distinct personalities like one person only yells the other person takes things extremely literally and the third person is like super duper snarky and you're just like, wait, I don't know what's happening. I don't, I don't, I just asked one question. I'm so sorry. Would it, would it, okay. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. So that's what I, I wanted it to, to kind of feel like. Um, and then I also leaned into like, everybody is kind of, you know, everybody's kind of over C-3PO. Like he's just, he's just doing his protocol droid, you know, his job. But, you know, sometimes people don't have time for that. And I like to think of L3 and V5T and ED4 waiting until R2 plugs in and them just having nice little chats and cracking jokes. And yeah, it just, it left so much potential, like just the most peculiar dialect. Well, what is a peculiar dialect in binary, you know? Yeah. I mean, definitely. And, you know, 3PO, his character is based on, you know, his whiny complaininess and, and stuff like that. And so it's, he's kind of, he's kind of fodder for that kind of relationship where, you know, you pick on your cousins, mm-hmm. but, you know, you do it and you snicker about it and stuff, but really it's kind of like, uh, for lack of a better term, like a hazing kind of thing. You know, right. like, <laughs> you know, my family has a saying, like, if we're being nice to you, you should be worried because if right. we're picking on you, that's when we really love you, you know? And I, right. I think that's kind of where, where 3PO stands. I'm really mm-hmm. interested to know because I haven't been able to figure it out. V5T ED4. Where yes. did you come up with those uh, those names? Um, V5T is uh, it's basically like a V5 transport droid, so V5T, um, and ED4 because she is a corporate espionage slicer droid. Um, my extra nerd is going to show here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's actually named after Radical Edward from Cowboy Bebop. Okay. So ED4, Edward, um, oh God, I can't remember Ed's whole like full name, but I know she's the fourth. So <laughs> ED4. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Go, go for those deep cuts. You right. Got- the galaxy's greatest hacker in Cowboy Bebop is, is so I was like a hacker corporate espionage slicer droid yes we'll go for that well and i mean so. if you're gonna go for a deep cut you might as well do it on a book like this where <laughs> right you know you're gonna it's nerds are reading this so right so somebody i'm sure somebody out there got this but right you know 
you mentioned earlier about uh, Daniel Jose Older's last shot, and mm-hmm. he has this uh, monologue that, you know, about L- L3 talking about the maker, what it means, mm-hmm. who it is, and all of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that you kept, keep bringing up about these droids and, and their identity and their independence was... Mm-hmm. This something that you look to directly with regards to how L three unified the brains of the Falcon, or is this is that something that idea of creation, identity, who the maker is, is that something that just comes baked in with L 3s character anyway? Yeah, I think it comes baked in. Like, of course, like when I was, um, uh, like that monologue from Last Shot, uh, all of her moments from Solo, uh, the ultimate moment where um like the where we get to see the internal part of her getting uploaded to the falcon in the solo novelization like all of that was rolling around in my brain um as i was writing and developing this story so it 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 just it made sense to me that that she would um like as much as she would be changed by the falcon but also the falcon her personality is so strong i honestly 100% believe that the Falcon would be changed by her in turn. And it's like, well, what change would she, would she bring? She would help these two other brains find themselves and like become their own beings within, you know, being while also being a collective. (laughs) Every time I say the millennium collective, I'm like, wow, Brittany, you're so corny. (laughs) (laughs) It is so good. It's just like, it's, on point it it Mm -hmm. it flows off the tongue no i love it oh thank you and i honestly i was just trying to be i was like being really earnest writing this like i just was like it just i'm gonna just go for the heart in it i'm gonna go for the heart and i the heart is l3 having like having two sisters within what must feel like confinement so she's able to find some kind of happiness um and you know what how how could she communicate with lando when she can't really communicate with him um and what must it feel like for him to to have um you know the last time he saw the falcon was when he lost the ship to um to han in that game that he was so sure he was going to win because he was cheating uh and what must that feel like to know that you uploaded your partner into the ship you thought you were going to have forever and suddenly because you were overconfident and cocky you've lost it so well and you know. in a way you know he was overconfident and cocky and didn't listen to the warnings that L3 was giving him because at the mm-hmm. end of the day you know she's talking about humility she's talking about recognizing mm-hmm. uh the value of other people and mm-hmm. you know Lando kind of doesn't do that. He doesn't realize that Han has learned from everything because mm-hmm. Lando only considers things from Lando's point of view, which makes right. his character fun and makes the growth of his character mm-hmm. really interesting. But at the end of the day, like that's who he is. So that's Yeah. And and I think, you know, Star Wars has this identity theme obviously running throughout it and what creates our identity? When does it change? You know, it, it's mm-hmm. very literal with the Anakin, Darth yeah. Vader kind of idea. But something that I, I just always find really intriguing is this idea that's just kind of a, a human thing. It's not necessarily a Star Wars thing of like, mm-hmm. we have our mind and we have our body and we talk about them like they're two different things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, which one is the truest self? And, right. you know, I, I think... If you're looking at this story, you would be arguing mm-hmm. that it's, you know, it's the brain, it's the soul, and that the, the casing doesn't matter as long as the person is willing to do whatever they need to do to, to make that impact mm-hmm. and to connect with their, their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that is, that is it. And I think that, like, in, in, uh, Christianity, Christian practice, we, we believe that because, you know, when you when your body has turned to dust, your soul goes on to to the afterlife and to heaven. And, you know, your um, that's where you move on to eternal life. Um, other religions believe in reincarnation um, and uh, like however you whatever you believe, there's still there's some kind of like that. 
ultimately we're like neurons firing in this like meat machine and moving this this bigger meat machine and skin around in the world. So it's um we are we're both and also more. Mm, so I like that. it's like and it's the it's the thing where like even if you lose all motion, even if you even if you can't like move yourself the way you used to, even if you lose like certain um certain mobility, you're still yourself. Like you, that doesn't, that doesn't change. Um, whatever your, you can lose a limb. You're still yourself. You know, it's, it, yeah, we're, still, we're our bodies, we're our minds and we're more. Yeah. And I mean, you're still, you're still yourself, but also you're something new, you know, like mm-hmm. if you think just to, to go for like a pretty easy example, if a football player gets paralyzed, like mm-hmm. they're still who they were as a person, but they mm-hmm. lose that being a football player, but maybe they can right. still be involved. They could coach. They right. could help, you know, like there's, I like how Star Wars and your story, I think it, it works with Star Wars so well because it does this, is it has those layers. It has those different mm-hmm. kinds of people with those different experiences and stuff like that. Um, that just is really, really powerful. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's honestly, I think, and, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, that's really hard to do in this, kind of storytelling that's almost Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. You know, this whole concept mm, mm-hmm. where you have a lot of stories happening around this one main story. Right. But yours actually directly affects the main story. Like, L3's actions mm. have influence on what the other characters do. So mm-hmm. what was your kind of approach to writing that without, like, you have to write this story mm-hmm. that hits, that has, you know, arcs to it, that has character development to it with... Mm-hmm. And at the same time, add things to Empire Strikes Back for the people who are reading it, but not make it so much that people who don't read the book lose something from Empire. <laughs> like, how right. do you juggle all of those flaming swords? Like, um, so, <laughs> well, thankfully, I didn't have to do it all by myself. Um, I had, you know, Elizabeth and Tom to to rein reel me in when I was going too far. Um, and also, you know, story group, they are the keeper of the canon. So they were able to be like, ah, oh, you can't do that. Um, and I guess like having characters who couldn't take direct action also helped me. Um, because the like at most they can comment on some of the action. Uh, but like research wise, I just watched all of the Millennium Falcon scenes in Empire over and over and over again. And as I was writing, I would pause and I would go back and I would cue it up to like a specific part and I would watch it again and I'd be like, okay, what's happening? Okay. And then I would go back and write a little bit more. So it was one, a lot of rewatching small moments and um, two, you know, assist from from really good editors and people who know Star Wars um, better than I do. So. And that's, I mean, we've had, we've had a few authors on um, from all different kinds of mediums. I, we've had different kinds of creators, voice actors, writers. We, we mm-hmm. had a comic artist on. And that is kind of the universal thing that everybody says is just what a joy it is to work with the story group and, mm-hmm. you know, how they really help, help you along and stuff like that. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons that, personally, I believe, you know, Star Wars is being really, really successful in the publishing mm-hmm. medium now because you have, uh, you know, these stories like, my go-to is always Last Shot. Last Shot mm. is a very weird story. It doesn't work <laughs> for me. I don't, I'm not okay. a fan of Last Shot. I'm a huge fan of Daniel Jose Older because mm. I want them to write stories that I don't mm-hmm. like. I, because okay. I want them to go out and take those risks. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Last Shot earlier. Sounds like it works for you. I have friends yeah, who love, I love the it. book. <laughs> yeah. Not my That's jam. Not right? Not no, my jam. No, it's fine. It's you know? re- it is a really weird story. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it's really weird. But I, I like that about it. But um, I, but it, that's also why I think it's one of the mm-hmm. most important books. It, you know, and that's why I want them, even though personally for me, nothing but Daniel Jose Older has clicked for me yet. Mm. The dude is crazy talented. He's mm-hmm. super creative. He knows Star Wars. And he pushes the boundaries. You know, he's mm-hmm. not willing to just say, oh, this is what Star Wars has always been, so we're going to mm-hmm. keep it this way. And I like bringing people in like that, bringing that variety, yeah. bringing those fresh perspectives, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, you have to do what you did, which was balance this, let's make something new, but also 
stick with what was there before like how can we yeah. enhance this story because at the end of the day that's that's what the publishing side of star wars does so yeah i know and like and also with this anthology like that is literally our job we're just enhancing this movie 40 years later you know so it's it's a bit more rigid um and yeah story group's not there to smack our hands and be like no that's not star wars like they're there to help us it's like we all want this to be successful. We all want to succeed. So it once you have a, a team behind you and a team with you who who's all working towards like the same goal of enjoyment and success and through a a similar place of love and appreciation for the source, you can't really go wrong, you know? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like you're gonna you're gonna hit for people, you're gonna miss for people. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing we have to do is just be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um like I know when we were we were going through our top three, bottom three of the book, my co-host Lindsay and Zach, if I remember correctly, neither of them had your story on the list, but they were like, yeah, mm. we, we liked it, but it, we didn't see it as in-depth yeah. as you did. And I'm like, I know, and that's what's great, you know? Like, <laughs> right? I, I made the argument for the Tauntaun chapter as the best mm. one. Like, th- these different perspectives of fandom, I feel like are mm-hmm. finally getting represented in the storytelling, you know, and in the yeah. people telling the stories, like you talked about, like it just, mm-hmm. it gets, your experience gets put in what you do creatively. And mm-hmm. that's really exciting for me. So I know I am, I am a big fan of yours and I am going to be pushing oh, for you, you to get a full novel. Oh, uh, thank you. Just get you in a High Republic book or something. Right. There, you know? <laughs> uh, get you right. and Daniel Jose well, Older teaming up and coming up right. with some cool, weird stuff. <laughs> I'm there that for That would it. be hilarious. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful too. I would love to write a Star Wars novel, but you know, it's publishing is a a the waiting game, and it's a beast. And you know, uh, it, it we'll see. We'll see. It's not off. Uh, hopefully, hey Tom Elizabeth, if y'all are listening, Story Group, if y'all are listening, put me in, Coach. I'm ready to play. <laughs> and and obviously, I speak for all of fandom when <laughs> I say. <laughs> Uh, then we should get this get this going, um, right? Yeah, it's, I'm That's just I, I'm really like this. This time excites me a lot because mm-hmm. we are getting so many different time, kinds of storytelling and mm-hmm. and you know uh, different storytellers. And I know that's mm-hmm. I feel like you know has made me a better person and has helped me to understand stories, the world, connect with mm-hmm. my students better, you know, all of that stuff. So it's, there's yeah. a lot of power to it, which is really exciting. But yeah. all that heavy stuff is good. <laughs> Let's get to a little fun. We like to do okay. five little questions at the end. They're just kind of fun, okay. uh, you know, get to know you as a Star Wars fan kind of person. Mm-hmm. So you ready for this? All right. Yes, I'm ready. All right. Start you off easy. What was the last Star Wars movie you watched and why? Uh, last Star Wars movie I watched was The Force Awakens because we just wanted to watch it again. <laughs> totally fair. I was watching that earlier today. <laughs> right. It's so good. It's so good. Um, who is your, and this can be in universe or mm-hmm. it can be in our galaxy. Who is your Star Wars partner in crime or BFF? Uh, BB-8. Okay. That was quick. <laughs> I love BB-8 so much. We were watching um, Earth to Ned on Disney Plus and BB-8 came in uh, just to like do a bit and I almost burst into tears because I love him so much. That's awesome. <laughs> I had a, about, yeah. one of those remote control toy BB-8s. Uh, uh, yeah, I have one on my desk. <laughs> I got it and started, my dog doesn't like anything that he doesn't understand. So things that are electronic Same. do not work for him. So I started like just rolling it around and he just was like, nope. And he yep. would, from then on, if it was on the ground, he would circle around the entire house to get to it. So. <laughs> Same. My He's, dog is like, I don't know what this is and I'm unsure of it. So can you please stop? And I'm like, well, I love BB-8. He's the best boy. He is. He's so, they've come up with so many good droids recently. They really have. Out of the park. So speaking of pets, what would your Star Wars pet be? Ooh, oh, uh, oh, God, what would my Star Wars pet be? Um, it'd be a loath cat. They're so cute. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Nope, that's a lot. Nope, it would be one of those ice foxes from <laughs> The Last Jedi. Um, I know that, you know, foxes are not supposed to be domestic pets, but we'd figure it out. I'd, I'd make sure I had a lot of land for it to run around on. Yeah, and I think if you got it a, a loth cat friend, I think they would get along fine. Oh, yeah, they Like, would. you could make it work. 
I could, you know, yeah. we could we could figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, I'm sure we could work it out. Um, what Star Wars character would you let take over your Twitter account for a day? Oh, uh, oh goodness, that is a question. Um, I guess I would let you know what I'd let L three do it. I I was hoping I was hoping you were going to go there K two S O like I feel right. like no. <laughs> you had to stick with the brand yeah right I feel like I feel like K two S O isn't quite my like he's a little more uh, somber than I would like my Twitter to be I'd I'd let I'd let L three just run amok and <laughs> the next day be like hey guys what did I miss and I just have like a billion followers or something <laughs> they'd be like. Um, why are your tweets so lame now? And I'd be like, sorry about it, guys. <laughs> They're like, this is not unfollow. Right. <laughs> Mute. Grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> You're like, so, yeah. when did I ever interact with this person? Why did they block right? me? I don't know. <laughs> oh. uh, yep, that'd be hilarious. All right, and to close it out, which Star Wars line is your absolute favorite? Uh, I, love, <laughs> I love when... Um, they're escaping from Vader in the first movie, and Leia's like, can somebody get this walking carpet out of my way? Like, just like, why? Like, why? Why did she say that? Why is she so mean? Chewbacca's the best. Why are you like this, Leia? But that that uh, lives right free in my head. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pretty much everything, Leia. Like, there's yep. just this, you're kind of mean, but also... I love you. Like, right? It's, it's just like, I, I can see why. Like, I can I can see why. You know what? I'm cool with this. You literally could not have had anybody other than Carrie Fisher successfully play no. that. Because they're just they're the same person. So Yes. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. This was an amazing conversation. Uh-huh. And I'm thank you for super, having me. I'm, I'm just super grateful for you coming on. So uh, I'm going to be looking out for, for your books coming out. But tell oh, everybody you. What, uh, what you got coming up, what you can... Uh, uh, promote yeah. and work on what you're working on uh yeah so um i'm actually a part of a theater company down here in new orleans called the nola project uh and they commissioned me to write an audio drama and it is a space opera called spare mission one swipe swipe snipe uh and so that's available to listen to right now um and it's one of like four audio dramas uh all written by playwrights um it's a good time space I- i'm also in it uh let's see um every wednesday on twitch uh the black nerd problems twitch i host a just a an hour-long show where we talk about movies that flopped um or just movies that didn't make back their um their budget in the box office um so that's called it's a flop and that's wednesday nights at seven eastern on twitch um and uh let's see um my I recorded my first audiobook recently, and that comes out on uh, February 2nd. Um, actually, speaking of Daniel Jose Elder, the audiobook is his new middle grade science uh, fiction novel, Flood City, um, about some kids who are trying to protect the, the last city on Earth after the planet was flooded by um, evil corporate people. So That sounds a, fantastic. Right. It's a, it's a wild time. <laughs> So yeah, that drops on February second. Um, yeah, and I think that's all I'm working on right now. Um, and if you wanna, like, I'm sure other stuff will pop up because it is only January. Um, but yeah, as always, you can find anything I'm working on on my website, uh, or uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I do my best to to promote myself. Let me not say I do my best. I am I am all for self promotion. So you will hear what I'm doing <laughs> on the Twitter. So yeah. And we will have those links for you in the show notes so you can just click and follow and you'll be good to go mm-hmm. and stay up to date on that. Um, as far as Clashing Sabers goes, we still have our fundraiser raffle going on to raise money to get Star Wars books into classrooms across the country. So we have um, 10 items up. Vanessa Marshall signed prints. We have signed books. We have some fantastic art prints that you can win and you can enter for as little as $10 and have a shot at winning. So right now we are uh, at 1200 
and $25. So we're about $225 away from our $1,500 goal. So if you would like to do that, the show notes will have that link as well. And you can go check that stuff out. 100% of your proceeds, or excuse me, 100% of your donations goes to buying and shipping books. We're not covering our our hosting fees or any of that stuff first. It's 100% for the kids, books to them. And because of our nonprofit status, you will get a receipt and it is entirely tax deductible. So it helps you. You could win some cool stuff and it helps kids, which, you know, we should just do because it's the right thing to right. do. Right. So, do it, guys. You know you want to. Do it. Do it. And if you want to stay up to date, see pictures of all that stuff uh, that we are auctioning, you can do that on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. And of course, we always have stuff in our Facebook group, Clashing Sabers Star Wars. So until next time, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text.